there, folks. My name is Emily. And I'm Elt. And this is Oh My Word, a podcast where we, Elt and I, discuss books, movies, musicals, TV shows, trends, topics in young adult and fiction generally, so that you are aware of the media that you consume. That is correct. And then we take that awareness that we have raised and we ring it through our pearl-clutching scales. And we're like, look, look at all these things that are going on. How many pearls, how many pearls? We have to clutch over it for violence, language, and romance. Scale of zero to four, zero being very good, four being very not good. And then you just come, come, you look at the numbers, and you're like, boom, is this something for me or not? That's what we do. That's what we do when we're not busy training ferrets to be mail carriers. See, because birds are good, right? But what we noticed is that when it's too windy, birds can get blown off track. So you need something in addition to your carrier pigeons. So we tried hamsters, but they were too cute and we couldn't send them outside. We tried raccoons, but they are notoriously unreliable raccoons. Just show them a little bit of food and they are unfocused. So now we're working on ferrets. And else, what do you, where's our... I was going to say, when Emily said we, she meant this is mainly her project that I just try to, you know, because the pig- I thought the pigeon coops were fine, and then Emily reminded me that because we have to keep the pigeons outside, and that means we have to leave the bunker to go take care of them, that's where things get a little bit crazy. But I told her we can make an extension, like an outdoor-indoor-outdoor extension, kind of like outdoor dining that's really indoor dining, you know, because you make a building that's basically rounded on the outside. And this is about where Elt lost me the, lost me the first time. Yeah, exactly. So whatever. And then, so fine. You know what? Maybe we'll see how, we'll, we'll see how the ferrets go. We're not making any promises. I'm trying to, you know, work on some more technology. But again, as Emily reminded me, technology can always be hijacked. You know, people can, uh, so I mean, then we have our own satellite. So whatever. It's, we, we have a lot of work ahead of us. So yes. once we've completed this very, very highly scientific pearl clutching scale that we came up with, it was only natural for us to explore other scientific venues and options. Exactly. Right. So that's that's kind of what we do. So today, that's these days, that's what we're dealing with the ferrets. As long as it's not a meek in Denmark, we should be safe, which is probably a terrible reference. But anyway, <laughs> you know, because they killed them all because they decided they could get COVID or something. So they killed all right. the meeks in Denmark, which is very terrible. And what are we going to do about coats? We don't know. Anyway, <laughs> now that we're doing terrible stuff. Oh, look, the terrible humor is actually a segment to what we're talking about today. As in this kind of like a morbid-ish, terrible yeah, yeah. humor because we're talking about it's a Netflix film from it actually 2018, so it came out a couple years ago, and it's called Then Came You. It's kind of like a, I think they put it under teen films. It's officially like a teen film, I think, right? And it's um, it stars, it's got Asa Butterfield, Maisie Williams, and Nina Dobrev. She's, um, I think she's from The Office. No, no, where is she from? Not from The Office. I, I saw her recently in another Netflix movie. It was a rom-com, um, like a Christmas rom-com. That's the only thing that I know her from, but she had quite an extensive IMDb, actually. Right. And it's, and she's very young looking also. So it's a. Uh... Yeah. And of course, Maisie Williams played Arya Stark in Game of Thrones. And Asa Butterfield has also been yeah, in things. Right. Oh, okay. I correct myself. It's Vampire Diaries, not The Office. I knew it was another TV uh, series. Okay. Oh, Vampire Diaries. Oh, God, that's a whole other thing, Vampire Diaries. Maybe we should do that one day also. But our pearls I've were just like... Exp- I didn't get very far. <laughs> like, why am I watching this? This is so not my thing. 
Anyway, so it's actually, it's, it's a kind of like a quieter, like a low budget kind of film. It, it has some familiar, like familiar themes to it because, so Asa Butterfield is playing this hypochondriac teenager and he's got a, um, and then Macy Williams is playing a termini- a terminally ill, uh, teenager. You know, Asa Butterfield seems to might, he might be older than teen, unless he's like 19 or something or 20. I, I think he's just, it, there's indication that he went to his first semester of college and then dropped out. So he's probably about 18, 19. He's definitely out of high school, but not too much out of high school. They don't tell yes. us exactly. Right. And then Maisie Williams is playing, she's a teenager and, um, and they meet at this like support group, right? It's like a, it's a cancer support group, which Asa Butterfield, his, uh, doctor therapist told him to go there because like you keep thinking that you're sick like these are sick people like it basically was an attempt to kind of cure him and like ironically because um Maisie Williams is there and she's got a bucket list that before she dies she wants to do you know before the character dies she wants to do these things on her bucket list and she ropes Asa Butterfield into it um now I don't know if it's a total uh a spoiler to say this but like because I think she shows it to him very early on like one of the things on my bucket list was to help a sad case and that's you <laughs> Like, that's how we became friends. And they do. They, they actually, their friendship is kind of, like, it's kind of cute. Just the kind of, uh, like, you can see how, you know, they can just have fun together. How she kind of, like, drags him along. And he, like, like, he needed that. Right. She's this, she's this brazen, outspoken, sort of crass, but full of life kind of girl. And he is quiet and shy. And, I mean, he's a hypochondriac. So he's, he's worried about everything. And she just lives life to the fullest. Which you get the feeling she was probably doing that even before the terminally ill diagnosis but it, it's amplified by that so they have this the the dynamic of the two of them yeah it's almost like a little bit uh she almost becomes a little bit more reckless like well, yeah because i'm gonna die anyway you know kind of thing and then him though they explain kind of why he became the way he is like there was an incident you know there's the incident from the past that made him more maybe right. he was always a hypochondriac but exaggerated the good thing is that it's not it's just a friendship between the two and it's not a romance between the two I mean, there is there are romantic interests, but it's not between the two of them. So they just let them have their fun, and you don't have to worry about like the anxiety of romance between the two of them. Right. Speaking of romance, do you want to share our skills? Yeah, I was just gonna say. So violence is a zero, language is a four, romance is a four. Yeah, the language is like terrible. Yeah, not incredibly terrible compared with your regular teen thing on Netflix. I mean, they they get all the way up to a four. It's not... It's also very suggestive. I meant it like that. Like, because she's... All of her jokes are, like, crude jokes. She's very, very crude. So, that's why. Which I find a little bit uncomfortable and unnecessary. Like, you can embrace life and be blunt and direct without making everything about sex. Right. And she's 17. Or, like, she's supposed to be. or, Or somewhere. She's definitely supposed to still be in high school. It seems like probably about... 17 so you know why does she have to be talking like that it's a little it's a little much yeah part of it also with the language for teenagers like part of it's like well this is teens talk like this you know they drop f-bombs or blah blah whatever so you know let's just give them the language that they speak like and part of it sometimes it feels like especially with female characters they'll like up the crudeness or up the language of it to like see women can do it too and it's like it's like, it, it doesn't make it better when both are doing it. Like, right. like dial it back. It, like, it, that they're doing that now with, with, um, with nudity in films, 
right? So it's like, well, you ask mm. a woman to take off her top, you ask a woman to expose herself. So the only way to gain equality is if a man exposed himself. It's like, or everyone put your clothes back on <laughs> and you're well be happy. We don't have to see your bodies. Why is that a thing? If a person would just strip down in public, that's indecent exposure. But no, no, no. If they're an actor and they do it on film, yeah, that's acting. Art. Yeah. How do you know the person, you know, the person who's doing it in the street and having a breakdown, how do you know they're not doing it for art? Right? How can you interfere with that? True. Also, the idea that, oh, teens talk this way, so we have to do it. I, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Yes, teens do talk that way, so the um, culture reflects it. But also the culture, the kids are getting used to, and then they start to talk that way. Like, I can tell you with... A hundred percent certainty that my parents did not talk this way as teenagers. I can also tell you with a hundred percent certainty that I did not talk this way as a teenager. I still don't talk this way. You don't talk this way. So yes, I mean, some definitely boys talk that way more than girls do. Some girls talk that way anyway. A lot of my friends spoke with a lot of cursing. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but you know, kids reflect what they see in the culture, right? That's where like new slang comes from a lot. So if they weren't doing it, all the time on TV, kids would probably do it less. Right. Or even because it, it normalizes and encourages. It, I mean, it comes back to the normalizes. Yeah. Right. Well, that also leads into the romance thing because a lot of people are like, why is there always insta-love in, you know, in teen books? Or why when they crush, it's like, oh my God, you know, they're crushing on someone and it's their ultimate love or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's, it's the same thing. You have certain writers who are like, look, have you ever heard a teenager girl talk like about right. a crush that she has? Like it is the ultimate love. And that's the only thing she could think of, you know, or, or even for a guy, whatever, like that's cause that it, so it's a reflection of that. So I mean, that's their, that's, that's their angle. And that's fine. That's their angle. And then some people are like, no, we got to raise the bar. We got to raise the standard, which is kind of what we want is like, Hey, slow down. It's not your install, you know, whatever. There's something about building relationships and et cetera, et cetera. So you kind of have this because the Maisie William character has this crush on this guy from school that she just decided, like, he's it, right? So that's why also part of why the romance is a forum, because this whole scene that happens between them. And then the one good thing, yeah, Ellie's making fans, Ellie's getting the heebie-jeebies from this. Oh, it was such a gross scene, but you can say your one thing, and then we can talk about it. Well, you can say, basically, the scene was 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 gross, but thank God, at the after it, which, I mean, we didn't need it, but after it, she was she felt gross, too. Like, she realized it was gross. So that was the one good thing that came out mm-hmm. of it that wasn't like they didn't try to they didn't try to lie about how gross the scene was. We would yeah. We don't need to see it, but like they could, why couldn't they figure out how to not have it or to like I don't know, right around it. We'd have to see the detail then. It didn't have to be so gross, it'd have to be whatever, but at least they didn't validate it, you know? <laughs> at least. We're like, oh we're we're paying, we're finding crumbs to pick up to say at least. Yeah. No, that's true. I did like the fact that she thought that she had to have sex before she died. And then she realized that maybe just having sex was not enough. Okay, because here's the scene and a spoiler or not, it's gross. So yeah. it's this kid from her school that she has this crush on. And we don't even see her go up to him. We just and like set it up. We just see the sex scene. So assuming she's called him and said, hey, I have a crush on you and I'm going to die. Do you want to have sex with me? Like, what is that conversation? I wish we'd seen that conversation because that probably would have been interesting. But what we see is they're at, they're in a gym lock, like the showers of a gym locker room. It might be at school. It might be a public locker room. Hard to tell. They're looking at each other and there's no talking in this scene. I think maybe is Asa Butterfield, is he reading like a letter 
talking over it? Or is there music playing? I don't remember. They don't talk. They're in this lock, the bathroom, <laughs> the showers of a locker room. The guy puts down his jacket and like helps Maisie onto the floor to lie down on top of his jacket. And then he's on top of her and we see them. I mean, we, they don't take off their clothes and we don't see them from the bottom. So, but they're, you know, moving. So we know what's happening. And the whole time she just looks sad and dead, dead. inside and not in a like, not in a rape sad and dead inside way, just in a, oh, I think I have made a mistake and this is not what I want kind of thing, which again, yes, you're right. Good that she figured that out. But why is it necessary? Again, this is a movie. So I'm not saying teens don't actually feel that, you know, sex has to be, you know, one of the things they do before they die. But this is a movie, which means it's fiction. So why does it have to be that a teenager has to have sex before they die? Like, okay, if there was a nine-year-old who was terminally ill, clearly sex would not be on their bucket list, right? Because that would be gross and immoral and ridiculous, right? But she's still, she's a teenager. She's still a kid. So like at what age limit? I mean, I, I, you know, I, I understand it for an adult, you know, of a 40 year old or something. I know we've talked about stage versus age. So it's not, it's not necessary to have sex before you die to have live a fulfilled life. But if this were a movie about an adult, it would be one thing. But why is it necessary that a teenager feels this need to have sex before she dies? Like it's one thing she has to experience. What is that? It's put into her head. If you look at every book and every whatever, and especially these days, like even in books, in, in teen books, everyone's taking their clothes off. Because if you have so much feeling for someone, blah, 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 that's the only could have a fulfilled life. But it's also, um, it's also that why couldn't, let's say she did have it in her head. Why couldn't it somehow have been subverted before it occurred? Right? Mm-hmm. Let's say for whatever reason she fixated on him. We know she's kind of a crude character, you know, whatever, and everything's just kind of joked her. So if, we see it's in her brain. They kind of create a character that it would make, that it actually sort of does make sense that she would have it in her brain, but why couldn't it some way have been averted before that? You know, like, why did I have to play it also? What, just to show that it's like, was there like a, a oh, we're going to show you a lesson by showing you someone who did it wrong, but now you still showed it to us. So right. it's, I don't know, it becomes this kind of like convoluted, you know, no, 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 in order to tell you that it's bad, first off, to show you, and then you can know that it's bad instead of like just knowing, telling you that it's bad without having to show it to you. Right. I don't know. It's just, it, it didn't need to be there. And I'm, but I am glad that they made it gross. Yes. Even though it was gross. <laughs> you're kind of like, what am I seeing right now? But when they try to like romanticize it with the music and the soft lighting or whatever, like even like remember with all the bright places, like they also, they're taking mm-hmm. off their clothes and blah, whatever. And they're in a train somewhere. Like, right. ew. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, this is not, how do you know you're like, what kind of diseases you're going to be picking up that you guys are slipping with each other, taking your clothes off in the middle of the train somewhere. But then they totally yeah. romanticize it, right? It's supposed yeah. to be so beautiful and so whatever. So, like, they could have somehow romanticized it in the locker room also, which is also so gross. But <laughs> So at least they did it. Again, see, here we are again. At least, at least, you know, picking up crime. Our standards are so low. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's our, our ratings, right? We did violence, language, and romance. Other than that, there were what I liked. So Asa Butterfield works as a... Um, baggage handler at an airport and this is totally a personal thing but i just like it when you see different jobs portrayed on screen because you know you see see lawyers all the time you see doctors you see like generic person working in an office yeah you know so it's cool to see someone with something different going on and then it gives us a whole different place to go to right like the airport gets to be a not just a place for travel but a place for 
work and contemplation and personal relationships because he and Nina Dobrev both work there. Right. Yeah, that was fun that they did the baggage guy. And that's also part of the whole thing because she's a flight attendant. It's like you've worked in an airport for how long, but you've never been on a plane before, right? So you have the element of like, even though that last scene is kind of weird where he's just like staring at her and you're like, and it's false, but it's like a little too long. It's like a little creepy. <laughs> oh, so that's also an interesting thing because Nina Dover, she's a flight attendant and they never really speak to each other, never, whatever. Then I remember what finally breaks the ice between them, but she thinks that he's sick. Oh, oh, because I think she bumps into, into him with the Maisie character and because it's like, oh, we met in a support group. So she thinks that he's sick, right? Yeah. And then when she finds out, like, oh, you lied to me, da-da-da, whatever. And it's like, well, did I only, like, come to your attention because you thought I was, like, sick and dying? They have that exchange kind of, which is an interesting – it's just an, it's an interesting exchange that they have that. That, yeah. like, yeah, is that is – that, was there something about that? that like, oh, no, the poor kid is dying. Let's make sure he, you know, he experiences love or whatever before he dies. It's, like, also kind of like that. I don't know, sometimes low-budget films can be, can have something to them, and sometimes they're just like, well, no wonder why no one else funded this. <laughs> but it, it, it just seemed like, you know, just this, like, uh, you know, story of friends or whatever. You have the, you have some, some of the love interest also, but, you know, overcoming fears and blah, blah, blah. This was kind of okay. I just wish the uh, the language and the romance would have been a little bit better. It would have been more of a solid film probably without that. Absolutely. Because it, it takes something that we've talked about a lot, which is, either terminally ill teens or teens contemplating suicide or like these really strange morbid strain that's in teen fiction, whether it's books or movies, but they did it in, you know, kind of different way. Again, mostly because the two main characters are not in love with each other. So it allows for different, a different story, but then, but yeah, but then it was not as clean, unfortunately, as it could have been because there wasn't a romance between them. So you almost, you didn't need all the other romance Right. And all the other stuff that happened, if they had left that out, this would really be a good, like a feel good. I mean, feel sad, but also, you know, feel like a bittersweet friendship story. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There is the one thing that I think you pointed out that there is a, the fault in our stars reference. It's like, I'm not going to drag you to Amsterdam. Yeah, I guess their acknowledgement that we know this has been done before, but we're going to do it our own way. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. A little tongue in cheek. Basically. Anyway, so that's then came you. And then it came, and then came a ferret, maybe, because he's got the mail. <laughs> Ooh, I hope so, because I'm waiting for something that I ordered a while ago. Did you order it through the ferret? How do you order things? Yeah, I sent the ferret with the purchase order to the post office to send it in. <clears throat> we may be among the last remaining few who still collect, you know, like the barcodes to get stuff from Sarah boxes. That's us still. <laughs> we got a great collection. Makes for great wallpaper. Yeah, until the ferrets start to chew it up. So we should probably go make sure that they haven't uh, eaten anything they're not supposed to. That's a good idea. Well, thanks so much for listening, folks, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers, people. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Oh My Word Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed so you always get the latest episode, and please leave us a rating and a review. And please share the show with your friends. Also, follow us on Instagram at Oh My Word Podcast. There we post episode updates, our ratings for each book, and also our personal reading recommendations. Music for the show is by Tim Burke. Editor is Emily Yaffe. We'll see you next week.